Mary Rosen was a U.S. Embassy press attache in Tehran in 1978. Some of you will ring with what was happening at that time. That was the height of the revolution that overthrew the Shah of Iran. Rosen was in the embassy building itself on November 4, 1979, when bearded militants poured over the compound's wall and began that 15-month hostage crisis. That was 1979. Almost 20 years later, Barry Rosen, no longer a hostage, of course, was given the opportunity to come face-to-face with Abbas Abdi, who was the mastermind behind the revolution and the hostage takeover. Now, Rosen had fallen in love with the country. He was American, but he had, fall, he had fallen in love with Iran when he went there in the late 60s as a Peace Corps worker. And so now, these years later, he's wondering, as he has this opportunity to face and even converse with his captor, he wonders whether a public reconciliation between the two of them would create a backlash in Iran that would cause problems for the cooperation that they were trying to build. Or he wondered whether Abdi would publicly embarrass him while he heard that Abdi was ready to shake hands with him publicly on stage, Rosen was reluctant, reluctant to commit himself to that act. He began to hope, though, that a meeting would help to close that circle, to close that 444 days, as he said. Well, the community of faith that we know as Israel began singing this song that Jack read, Psalm 80, at a low point in their history. Now, I want you to picture, to to really picture this. They're going through the history of their salvation. They're looking backward first and seeing how God led them out of slavery, out of Egypt. And they talk about the vine metaphor. It's as if God has taken a small seedling of a vine and cleared the land and caringly planted it, nurtured it, watered it, cared for it in all ways so that it spread and it spread and it spread so that its shade covered the mountains so that those deep roots helped it go everywhere from the sea to the river all over the land. And now they're sensing that the walls of protection that God had built up, God has now broken down. And so no longer are they healthy and reaching out to all parts of their land, but now the walls are gone, and so boars and others can come and pluck their fruit and ravage the vines so that they wither and practically die. Now is the present. Now they feel like God has deserted them. And so they cry out to the God who formerly had nurtured them, Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. 
Now that Hebrew word translated restore goes throughout the psalm. We didn't read one of the spots where it is, but it has a dual meaning that doesn't translate to us. It's simultaneously a restoration of external circumstances as well as the turning of the human soul to God. So it's outside and it's inside. It's within us and it's beyond us. And yet, our tendency is to be like a young man named Brad. Prior to their wedding, Brad and Susan were meeting with the minister to talk about their service, the the actual marriage ceremony and what that would be like. And as they were talking about the unity candle, the minister was telling them what the unity candle, what happens, that there's the central candle that maybe the parents light and then the bride and the groom come up and they take each of their candles and they put it to the unity candle together. And then the couple had to make a choice before, were they going to leave their candles lit to symbolize their individualism that continues to remain even in their marriage, or would they blow them out and symbolize in maybe a more powerful way that oneness of marriage? And After thinking about it, Brad replied, how about if we leave mine lit and blow hers out? (laughs) Now, he was just kidding, but I think that's a reminder to us that we want a relationship with God, but we want it on our terms, not necessarily God's. The Israelite congregation is invoking God to return to them. But my question that when I read that is, who moved? It brought to mind that, that story of the old husband and his old wife in their old pickup truck with the bench seat, and the wife looking over at her husband from the passenger seat says, Honey, how come you don't never put your arm around me no more? And the husband on the other side says, Honey, I ain't the one who moved. Are you picturing this? Who moved? Well, the Israelites are perceiving that God moved, that they were in the driver's seat, and God was the one who had moved over. I perceive it's the other way around, that when I'm feeling restless or hopeless or in need of restoration, that I'm the one who's out of balance, not God. I'm the one who needs to look at my life to see what's not right and make some adjustments. I'm the one who has built the wall between me and God so that even if you are praying for me, I have to offer God some help in coming into that wall. God can only do so much without my help my, and my agreement that things need to change. God need not repent We need to turn back to God. A high school student was regretting her earlier decision to have sex with her boyfriend. She didn't know whether God could ever forgive her for that. Since that time, both her grandparents had died, and she wanted to feel inside to know that she would see them again in heaven. 
Now, how would you respond? What would you say to that girl? Would anything about restoration be a part of your answer? And what about your own life? What questions do you have about reconciliation? Who has done you wrong? Or who have you maybe insulted or put down so that you could build yourself up? And would restoration come faster if you made the first move? One day when a father came home, he sat down to relax and read the paper. But he had a young son who didn't like his dad's idea. And he kept pestering his father again and again until finally the father reached over in the magazine rack. And he pulled out a magazine and he found a picture of the world. And he tore out the page and then he tore up the picture of the world. And he handed it to his son and he said, son, go in the next room and put the world together. Well... The son came back a lot faster than the father wanted him to. And he was surprised and he said, how did you do that so quickly? And the boy said, it was easy. He said, on the other side of the world was the picture of a man. And as soon as I got the man straightened out, the world was okay too. Now think about that. As soon as he got the man straightened out, the world was okay too. Jumping to the New Testament, Jesus' ministry was all about restoration. Restoration of sight to the blind, restoration of cleanness to lepers, restoration of life to his friend Lazarus and to an adulteress who was in danger of being stoned, restoration of forgiveness and hope to a thief dying next to him. Everything Jesus did was was about restoration. And I think, too, even about the times that Jesus went apart to pray, that was about restoring himself and his relationship with God. Restoration. I enjoyed the full experience of college without much church for most of my first two years there. And then a student that I had met first year invited me to sing with a group he directed, a Christian singing group. I think that was before he heard me sing. But at first I simply said, I'll think about it. And we know what that means, right? Thanks for asking, but you know, thanks, no thanks. But when he asked again, I said, okay, I'll, I'll come to a rehearsal. See what I think. Eric didn't condemn me. He didn't preach to me. He simply invited me. What he didn't know when he invited me was that that was the first step toward a restoration of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Simple invitation. Our transformation journals this week asked, am I my brother's keeper? Just like Cain asked God. My answer is indirect. And that's that Jesus told us to make disciples. 
we have the responsibility to encourage, to ask, to invite people to make a choice. Now that choice then is between them and God. But when we have asked, when we have invited, even if it takes several times, we have done our part. We have shown interest. We have made ourselves available to these people if they want to ask us questions. And in doing so, we seek and provide the opportunity for restoration. Internally and externally. After watching the restoration of many homes on the fix it showed this old house, my husband was ready for our first house to be a fixer-upper. It was a typical Roanoke brick four square. There are only about 100 million in our city. But it's got a typical wooden porch stretching across the front. And that porch, I think, was his biggest project. Yes, he says, oh yes. All those square spindles coming down between the top and bottom railings. So one on, throughout a summer, practically, on hot afternoons after he'd get home from work, Brian used a heat gun and a scraper, chemicals, a floor sander, and lots and lots of elbow grease. He took the wood back to its original golden beauty with clean corners. He even released the smell of the pine sap from when those trees had been cut 80 years earlier. After it was all cleaned off, that's when the paint came, the brightening and protecting paint. And that porch was restored to its 1922 beauty. Well, restoration for us, I see Ty smiling, Brian. He's thinking about those back doors of the church. (laughs) Restoration is the hard work, sometimes grueling work, of allowing God to turn on the heat gun and melt away the layers in us, the layers not of paint but of pain and anger and uncertainty and doubt. And so this scripture invites us to ask ourselves which of our relationships are calling to us for restoration. Maybe it's a family member with whom you broke contact years ago. Maybe it's someone you live with right now. Maybe a coworker needs your forgiveness. Maybe God seems distant to you and you want to kindle a new sense of closeness. Ask and then follow through. Now back to Barry Rosen, the former hostage. Despite all of his concerns, he agreed to share that platform in Paris with his former captor. And the two men did shake hands. And Rosen put his, you know, put his arm around and slapped Abdi on the back. And reflecting on that, Rosen said, the past 
cannot be made to go away and shouldn't. But a new beginning can be made. Instead, we must focus on building a better future which is unquestionably within our capabilities. We must focus on building a better future which is unquestionably within our capabilities. Restore us, O Lord, and let your face shine that we may be saved. God restores us. Let us pray together a prayer of response. It's in your bulletin. If you can pray this aloud, I invite you to do that. If you are lost in thought about a relationship that you need to reconcile, then you don't need to pray out loud. You need to pray quietly to God, and I invite you to do that as well. But let's pray and conclude with especially the forgiveness in our Lord's Prayer. God of love and justice, plant your loving passion for reconciliation and goodness in our hearts. Prune our selfish ambitions to make room for compassion and generosity. Break down our walls of protection that we may welcome your light in our lives. Nurture us as we worship and as we serve, that we may answer your call and live as your people, a people of passion for reconciliation and goodness in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.